Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are here again for another episode. We're excited you've joined us. Yes, I was just thinking when we were talking about who was going to open up the episode, there's really no like casual good way to start a podcast because we're no, here. You just have to say hello. Hello. Because it's you and I staring hello. at each other. Yeah. And a friend today, I yes, guess. And a friend. Guys, Hi. today we have Polly Connor on. So hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. You guys may recognize her name a little bit because we actually recently, or not recently, it was Back a while in the day, ago, yeah. yeah, had her husband, Austin Connor. Mm-hmm. So we're frequent I, visitors. I know. Yeah. I was telling her, I was like, you guys are the first couple that we've had on the podcast. We've never had both like a wife and the husband. So Separate topics though. So maybe together that would be fun. Yes. But, <laughs> yes. Well, thanks for coming on today. We are excited to have you. Yeah. So thanks for taking the time. Of yeah. course. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family. We just said your husband's Austin, but tell us about your kids, your work. What do yeah. you do? Yeah. So I have been married almost 13 years coming up in October. Austin, like you guys know, he's a pastor at the crossing and serving in the counseling ministry. And that's kind of a new thing for us. He just switched to that. So that's kind of been a whole thing. Is it nice having like a counselor as a husband or do those like do little fights to get like too deep too fast? I joke around that I get black market counseling, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. It kind of impartial, but he's not objective. So it can't be real. But I know when he's in counseling mode, I'm like, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I just want you to listen to me right now. He's like, how does that make you feel? Like, no, Mm -hmm. not here. No, it's good. He's, he's a good counselor. I have three kiddos. They are 11, nine and six. First middle schooler this year. So entering in that world, which is fun. In 2012, I started a website called Thriving Home with my friend Rachel. And that started as kind of a side hustle and has grown now into a full-time job. So that's, I work from home doing that. And yeah, between that and the three kids and three dogs, we're pretty busy. <laughs> and you're kind of downplaying it, but Thriving Home is a huge That's what deal. I was going to say. I was like, you're being casual about how many? Co- how many, do you guys have two cookbooks? One we do. We publish two cookbooks. Yeah. And it's a website that generates quite a bit of traffic for busy moms. That's kind of our that's kind of our people is busy moms trying to get meals on the table. And so we do a lot of kind of easy, healthy meals. And yeah, the cookbooks have have been really popular and sold really well and, and the website continues. I was gonna say over the year, my over the years, my small group has like done many of your meal planning and oh. things as like socials and stuff. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's Same amazing to have meals in the freezer ready to go. That's so So funny. I'm like, why would we not just gather and make like four recipes? Well I was also gonna say sometimes in the Christian world too, it's like, okay, I wanna be humble, but can you just be honest with us? Is it so cool seeing your name on like a book like that? <laughs> I would or like in a store, I think that would be so cool. It kind of makes my stomach drop. Like when I, I was with one of my, I think my daughter in Barnes and Noble the other day. And like, I was like, oh my God, my book's right there. Yeah, like it's just this weird so little cool. thing. Or like, if you get like fangirled a little bit out in public sometimes. Like yeah. I was at a garage sale once and then this lady <laughs> came out and she goes, okay, I don't want to be weird, but can you sign my cookbook? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it is fun. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it is fun for that just to kind of like, well, and it's just cool to like know we're in so many homes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's, and you're it, making a difference. Yeah. That you're helping families. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really humbling too. It's like, oh my gosh, so we've helped so many people get, feed their families and give them the tools to do so. So uh, yeah, it is. It's pretty fun. It's a fun job. So. That's a big deal. That's awesome. Christian so, and I joke because we've had a couple of girls come up to us. And one time Justin was with me and he 
started dying laughing. The girl was like, this is so weird. You probably don't know me was in the grocery store. She's like, but I listened to your podcast. And Justin starts laughing. And I'm like, stop. You're going to make her feel weird. And he was like, sorry, this is just too funny for me. And I'm like, okay, let me have my moment with yes. a sweet girl that listens to our podcast. It so. is funny. People know you better than you know them. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people know a lot more about me and my life than I know about them. And that is sometimes hard. Like, is you're like, they know my kids' names and everything. But yes, it's a good job. Um, well, yeah, you mentioned your three kiddos. So tell us a little bit about just what has your parenting looked like so far? You are obviously in like the busy, busy years now with kind yes. of the three kiddos. But talk to us, like what has parenting looked like for you in Austin and just your kiddos? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it's hard to sum up 11 years. So we're 11 years into this gig. <laughs> so we're not even like, uh, maybe we're, ha- I don't, you're never done parenting, I guess, right? Yeah. You know, but like as far as kids in our home, we're not even halfway through. So, you know, every year has been different because, I mean, as you know, there's, there's, good stuff and hard stuff that comes with every season. And overall, I truly have a heart for struggling moms and struggling families. And that has come out of my experience and been born out of a lot of things I've been through on my journey. I do feel like I have to make a disclaimer because we are on this podcast talking about like hard parenting stuff, hard kids stuff, hard family dynamics. I feel like I have to make this disclaimer. It's not all hard, right? Mm -hmm. We have good moments. We have amazing kids. We've had good years. We've had great seasons. If you're Mm -hmm. a parent, you know that. Right. Yes. But you feel like you have to make the disclaimer because I'm going to be highlighting the hard stuff in order to help those who are in that hard season Mm -hmm. right now. And I love actually that you disclaim that, though, because I do think a lot of times it's very easy to complain about parenting. And that is not at all what we want to do. We want this to be an encouraging and uplifting conversation because you do have heart for people who maybe have not had the easiest parenting experience. Because kids are a blessing. That is like very true in the Bible. God talks so much about children and just our relationship with them and how great and wonderful they are. So we all believe that and love that. But yeah, that comes with just the realities of it being really hard that they are dependent on you and we are shepherding (laughs) their little hearts and minds. And I'm thankful that you're willing to speak about this because maybe this is just maybe, I don't know, it's getting better maybe. But I think in the Christian context, there can be a lot of well, you know, you discipline your children, you raise them right. And if you are disciplining well and biblically, then your children show up for church. If you're and have following their hands, through on what you say. Exactly. In their lap. And they are just quoting their scripture and listening to every word you say. And it's like, well, that's not always the case, dependent on different kids' needs and things Girl. that they're going through. But <laughs> why? There's a lot of even. judgment in the church, I think, with parenting. Oh, I can't even. I have, I have been through it all. Yeah. I experienced it all. I mean, my husband's a pastor and a counselor and we're a hot mess. Let's just say that. Okay. We'll just start out there. So again, I just have a huge heart for the struggling mom who feels like they're alone. And I kind of see my parenting journey so far in three different seasons. So we have kind of like the baby that season. We have kind of preschool years and then we have like older elementary present. Okay. So kind of my experience those seasons, my entering into baby stage was I was a hot mess. And everyone around me knows this at this point. I was like totally floundering. Now, one, I was the first out of my friend group in town to have baby, right? So I didn't have like the people side by side to figure out like, what do you do when they wake up from a nap early? What do you do when they want to take a bottle? Like, I just didn't have that. I'm like searching the internet, reading books, right? I had friends who had babies, but they were a couple years ahead of me or out of town. So I really floundered in those baby years. One, also, I went from a really high energy. I worked in student ministry at the Crossing for like four or five years, and I stepped back to be a stay-at-home mom, not knowing myself well enough at that time to know that I was going to need something else, like a job, a side hustle or something. So I thought I was going to do the stay-at-home mom gig, and I thought I was going to kill it and love it. No. Within a couple weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like, what is happening? So I was, and I had a husband in seminary at that time. I really struggled in those little years. And the problem was I also was, a, I was ashamed to say that because I really felt like I should feel differently about, I just had a baby. She's healthy. I should be happy. I should be enjoying this. I'm staying, we have, I can stay at home. I should love this. And then I felt so much shame because I didn't. But everyone around me seemed to. So that was like a very like isolating experience. And I felt like I would try to like express how hard it was. But then I just felt like there wasn't anyone that was having the same experience as me. So kind of shoved that under the, the rug for later, right? So that started the pattern of putting things under the rug. Like, okay, yes, I'm supposed to do this. Okay, so enter into stage two. We got preschool years, right? So kids are getting in preschool, maybe kindergarten. That was kind of the stage I'm in. I had found my grounding a little bit. I Thriving home had started at that point. I was working part-time, feeling like a little bit better. And then one of my kids was around three or four, and we started noticing he was having some really significant behavior and social-emotional issues. At first, we were like, well, he's just a boy. You know, that's just boy versus girl. My girl was first, and boys are different. And then we just started seeing more and more. It just became more clear that, okay, he's got some issues, and we need to figure this out. So then we kind of find ourselves navigating, you know, um, ADHD world, we're the specialists, mood disorders, like we're just, and that stuff just takes a while to like sort out because you're different doctors, different specialists, and it's too young for meds and do this and try this and read this book. We were just really, really struggling. Meanwhile, at home, like it was really rough. Like he was, there was some really, really hard behavior stuff that we couldn't figure out. And then, I mean, my daughter's a strong-willed daughter, too. Like, she's no walk in the park. So we have strong-willed daughter. We have middle child with some big behavior stuff. And then I had a newborn who did not sleep. Like, no one – if you say the third kid is the best sleeper, no. Like, my third kid did not sleep till he Wait, was, like, Wait, that scares three. me. Sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> in my experience. Yeah. Anyway, so we were sleep-deprived, dealing with really big issues. Anyway, so that was kind of, like, a big, messy time for sure. And, again – I felt alone in that, especially in that ADHD world, because I was like, I really didn't know anyone else on that path. I didn't know anyone else that was navigating this. And then, again, that kind of like ashamed feeling of like, I've done something wrong. I don't like this enough. What is wrong with me? All that stuff. Again, shoving things under And at that point, too, are you guys sharing that experience with a lot of people? Or are you trying to just like, we're going to figure this out? I mean, obviously, that takes a long time. It takes years, you know, and at the time you have a newborn, all the things. So are you guys like actively talking about that with other people? Are you kind of trying to be like, let's figure this out? I don't know. I don't think we ever intentionally hid or tried to appear perfect, but I don't think... In retrospect, I for sure was not going through the steps I should have emotionally to process all of it. I'm very much a problem solver, soldier through. Yeah, just strive, strive, strive. And so, I mean, I, th- I think the people in our inner circle knew that we were f- trying to figure out that ADHD stuff, but I don't think they knew the level of like stress and heartache and despair and frustration there was within our home. And they're not in your house at bedtime. And they're not in your house when you're trying to get them all up in the right. morning and seeing like how maybe bad it actually right. was. Right. Mm-hmm. A few babysitters got a glimpse. Oh. You know, I, I, one got locked out of a house maybe, you know. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> one of That's my fine. babysitters, I will never forget an experience she had to have chasing my child down a golf course running away. But anyways. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, there were people that got a glimpse, but no one, you know, maybe grandparents really knew because they were very much on the ground level with us. But most of our friends, I don't think, knew the depth of how hard things were on a daily basis. Yeah. And I ask that because I do think it's kind of like a tension between the two. You're obviously trying to function in your home. You're trying to just be like, 
you know, I want to do best for my kids. What do they need? I want to support them well. But you guys are also trying to navigate, like, do we share all this? Like, it's a lot to share. So part of maybe your shame you were feeling was also just like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know either, you know? So you're just trying to figure it out. And you're like, what do I share? What do I keep private? What do I still navigate and like explore for my child? And, you know, I just think there's a lot of complication there. So that's why I asked because it can be hard. At the time, I don't think I would have labeled my feelings as shame. I don't think I I had now have a little bit of perspective of what I was going through at that time, but I never would have been like, I feel ashamed. But looking back at that, Polly, five years ago, I'm like, oh, poor Polly. Like she felt so ashamed and embarrassed and embarrassed of what was going on. But now I can see it. But at that time, I was just such a soldier through, strive, figure out the stuff with my son stuff. Okay, so stage three, I would say, is kind of this older elementary, probably to present. I don't know. Maybe we'll label it later in 10 years from now. We were, again, kind of stabilized, I'd say, with what was going on in our family. Like, we, we always have a spicy family. You know, we're always going to be like... Spicy family, we, we the don't Connors. Go, we don't care anywhere quietly. <laughs> like, you know, it's like... But we, I felt stable. But then year 2020 rolls around, okay? And as with any parent in that year, it was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? But that was definitely a tipping point for me where all of a sudden I had to set aside this job that I loved... And homeschool, three kids, three very hard kids, that's not natural for me to do, right? Did it well for a while, but then because of lack of routine, all the behavior stuff really got worse with my son. So not only dealing with these big behavior stuff, I just wasn't doing well. So I use the phrase, all that stress started to come out sideways. So that's my new phrase now. Okay? I like that phrase. I've <laughs> it never came heard out sideways. That. Yeah. And what that meant for me, and this might look differently for everyone, but I just think that accumulation of years of not dealing with stress well, of not dealing with feelings well, it started to come out sideways. And so for me, that was physical. So I wasn't sleeping well. I was getting sick all the time. Like once a month, maybe more. Just getting sick for a day or two. No fever, nothing. My body would just shut down. Mm-hmm. Had backache continually my jaw locked up from just tension like it was crazy I started having like anxiety and even little small panic attacks which I'd never had before so it was like my body and my soul was just like no more like it was just like you have hit a point where you can't handle this anymore so that was like a really a breaking point for me I was like I've got to get in some counseling (laughs) and I'd never done that before in retrospect I'm like I should have started that 10 years ago. So it was in 2020. I had a Zoom, but I started some counseling there. I got on some meds to help my body calm down because I was like, I was out of whack, right? So that was kind of a turning point for me. I started kind of climbing myself out of this hole that I didn't even know I was in and getting some better coping mechanisms, untangling spiritually what I was supposed to be believing and studying and yeah, just trying to untangle my spiritual life a little bit. And so And, you know, I really got to the point of really embracing, okay, we have an outlier kid. What I mean by that is like every family, every kid brings a level of stress and hardship because they're kids, you know, but there are families with outlier kids. And that is just an extra level of of hardship or stress. And that looks different for every family, whether it's physical disability, mental, emotional, really strong willed, you know, whatever that is. We have, I had an outlier kid. And so I was kind of embracing like, okay, our experience is not the typical, and this is extra hard. But once I kind of like said that and embraced it, it was almost like a relief a little bit of like a freedom to embrace what we had. You know, and I wish I could say, hey, we're on the other side of this, but I am very much in the trenches still with this. Like the last two months of parenting have been some of the hardest. So I can't say we're on the other side. I can't look back with 2020 vision and be like, 
this is everything we need to know. And what I want you to know, young mom, it's like we're very much still in the middle of this and working through daily how to parent strong-willed, challenging kids who are fierce and going to be the president of the United States someday. But like, you know, it's hard right now. So we're, we're very much still in the trenches in stage three, I would put myself. <laughs> so I just gave a lot of context just so the stuff going forth makes sense. I wanted people to know where we're coming, where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. No, I love everything you shared. Obviously, I mean, we have thanked you personally, but even thanking you here, I so appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story because I know that's not easy. It's not easy. Even just you sharing the stories of other people too. So we want to be sensitive to even talking about your children in that way too. But this has been your all's experience. And I love that you were willing to say like, I have learned a lot from this and I'm not done learning. I mean, yeah, you, we all said parenting's like a lifetime thing. We're not done at all, but it's encouraging to me, even as a mom, who's obviously in a stage, you know, before you or whatever behind you, I guess behind (laughs) behind you, but it's like, it's encouraging to even hear, you know, like I want to be encouraged that by that, not make that feel like daunting that I'm like, no, I am going to still continue to learn. So I can't be bummed when I feel like, oh gosh, I don't have this all figured out. And so I think that's really cool that you're just willing to share that. I was going to say, and I don't know if this is where I should say it or not, but I just feel this urge to kind of say, I think there are families that really, obviously all kinds of parenting is hard. You made that clear, you know, every time you add a child, it brings difficulty, but I think there are some families that have a pretty smooth ride with their kids as far as like discipline. I'm just thinking of some that even have older kids who are like, yeah, my kids were pretty obedient. And like, you you know, and I think that I have felt sometimes, not to me necessarily, I feel we're Christian and I are still in the, you know, stage two, barely. (laughs) But just hearing them talk about other families where there are challenging kids, maybe even in high school where they're rebelling some or exploring things or, yeah, just, you know, not living the way that their parents would want them to be, where there's a lot of judgment. And I just want to say here, if you're a parent who has had a smoother experience, you cannot look always at another Christian family and think that they didn't do something right or didn't do enough discipline. Sometimes it truly is the child going through things they they can't control. And you could be doing, you could be raising that kid and they would still turn out that way. And I just feel like there's so much judgment, I think, especially from older parents who maybe just had easier kids in that way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe not even if you've had easier kids, but even if your journey was hard too, even like let's be slow to judge or slow to cast judgment on different experiences that aren't ours really, because like no one can experience your specific child with their specific needs and just how they need support. And so no one can, you know, yeah, judge that, that they've not experienced. I really thought kids came out a blank slate. And that's why when we had all this behavior stuff, I thought I have failed. I have done something wrong. I didn't discipline hard enough. I didn't discipline the right ways or we didn't train. We didn't cry. I thought it was a reflection of me. And that's still a struggle of mine of like, these little people are a reflection of Polly. And I've had to like, sever that a little bit of like, I'm in charge of them and I'm responsible to parent them, but this is not me, you know, and I, and this is God's child. He's going to do what he wants with them. But I've had to like separate my identity with what my kids are doing. But that, I mean, that's daily. That's, that's still very much a present struggle to keep doing that. But especially in the beginning, they were very, if a kid was having a tantrum, I was like, this is my fault. Or if a kid acted up on Sunday morning, you know, to a Sunday school teacher, I'm like, they think I'm a terrible parent. And the truth is they might. Yeah. But I've had to like really grow into like separate myself from that 
I'm like, you can think what you want and your kids might have turned out perfect and I'm happy for you. But that's not my experience right now. Mm-hmm. So yes, you're right. I think there are, are some kids that are extremely challenging and it is hard to step outside of other people's perspective and their judgment. Yeah. Okay, that's sorry so to, good. Sorry I would know. I wish I could sit in that though, because I'm like, even in the, you know, years we are in, I'm like, I know we have so much to go forward with as our children develop and like grow personalities that like we're just starting to see. But I'm like, gosh, if we could all lean into that, like my kids are not a direct reflection of me mm-hmm. that like my job is to steward them as God created them to be. Mm-hmm. Now, like I do that with wisdom and I do that seeking how God has like designed that to be. And so there are ways that I can try to discipline and try to direct and try to teach, mm-hmm. but ultimately like God is in control of their lives and God put me as the mother of them for a reason. And so I think I just like want to remind myself that, I mean, I was recently sharing with Polly even that we're in a hard season with my son and like every tantrum he has, I'm just like, like, oh my gosh, I could pull my hair out. Like, this is so frustrating. And so then right there in the moment, I am letting him be a reflection of me and I'm embarrassed or yeah, feeling shame of that. And I'm like, no, that's so ridiculous. Like I can't do this for like today and I can't do this for the rest of my life. So like, I need to redirect that thought and I want to go, you know, first and foremost to prayer Mm -hmm. and like actually turn to the one who can, Mm -hmm. you know, be comforting in that time so I have said with both of my kids being adopted I remember when Emerson when we first adopted her from birth I felt this sense that you get a glimpse with adoption that becomes a little bit easier because I'm like okay Mm -hmm. she is not biologically mine Mm -hmm. and it almost lets go of those expectations of what her personality might be like or what she might be interested in or how she might respond to things. Because when you are creating like little images of you and your husband, it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll have this personality or that. And so I remember saying that a few years ago in a Bible study, right when I was holding her, she was like a month old and getting to kind of like process through that. I'm like, I actually think this is a little bit of a gift with adoption that you kind of just get to say, I have no idea who this child is going to be. And I I get to just like watch it play out and God help me learn how to parent them best. So it kind of, we should all have that perspective with parenting and it it gets harder the more intimately, you know, I know my daughter, but it is nice to say like, okay, I don't have control in this way. Who did God make you to be? Let me learn that and help you the best I can. Yep. I think that's a beautiful freedom that I want to be. I've almost had to mentally go there of like, if this child was adopted, how would I feel? I would still love them the same. I would parent them the same, but I wouldn't feel emotionally connected to women. And they are not doing well. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, it helps a little bit. So, right. yeah. yeah. So, walk us through some of that. You obviously kind of went through that phase three of like 2020 on, now yeah. to present, yeah. even recognizing like I'm not a finished work. I don't have this all put together. But walk us through. So, what are some of those like practical, just em- like you've mentioned some of the emotion that you felt in that, mm-hmm. but what have you done with those emotions and what did that like practically look like right. walking that through? What does that look like now? Okay. I'm so glad you asked this because this is my most recent soapbox. (laughs) Okay. So I had 10 years of, again, there's good in there, but I'm highlighting the bad to help the people who are in the bad right now. 10 years of dealing with a lot of stress, frustration, anger, despair, depression, like all those things, all the negative things that come when you're in a hard season or you have a hard, challenging kid. Intense kid is what I like to call now, (laughs) rather than a hard kid, intense kid. So I, a lot of times tried to talk myself out of those feelings first. That was kind of my first strategy. It was like, this is really hard. I'm really frustrated. No, I don't. I'm okay. We're going to be fine. At least they aren't fill in the blank or at least they're healthy. At least, at least, at least, you know, like, so try to talk myself out of it first. I would try to theologize myself out of it, you know, real quick be like, well, 
you know, oh my God, today is the worst day of my life. Nope, it's the day the Lord is made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to, you know, it's like really try to like slap theology and like, this is what I should believe. I should feel this. I should feel joy. I should feel gratefulness because I'm alive and we're healthy. I tried to should myself out of it, right? I would try to ignore those feelings and be like, I'm not going to dwell on the bad. I'm going to focus on the good. So again, not dealing with the hard feelings was my downfall, people. <laughs> and I think that I just hit a point where I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I think we're, God didn't let me do it anymore. And what I was missing was this stage of lament. Okay, so if you are in a hard season, have a hard day, whatever it may be, there needs to be a healthy stage of lament, of grieving, of being sad over that, of being frustrated, of letting yourself feel the feels, the negative feelings, and be okay to sit there for a little bit let it out. I mean, look at David's example in the Psalms. Like he was like a blubbering fool in the beginning of a lot of his Psalms, right? So he would say like really terrible things about his enemies. Like he wishes death upon them, you know, like all these things that aren't like biblical and how you should feel, but he would say it in the Bible, Bible, right? He would say it and feel it. But then, then he would bring them under God's umbrella of truth. Then he would remind himself of who God is, of God's promises, but I was skipping that lament stage. I never had grieved over the fact that, like, this is really hard and it's been hard for a long time. Or even at the end of a, like, a really hard day, I would never let myself have a good cry, right? Just because it was like, I shouldn't feel that way. Oh, I love a good cry. Right. It releases well, so much. Right. It, re- it should. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that is a very healthy thing to do, to allow yourself to feel those feels. Name them. That's okay. But then bring them under under the banner of like God's promises and what he wants for you and that kid. So I'm saying don't stop just in, in the negative feelings and leave them there. Like, but I do think, especially as Christian women, we can be quick to skip that stage. Because we feel like it's wrong and shameful to feel that way as a mom. And that was a big downfall of mine is I felt this, this, I this wanted to skip over that part because it's not fun to sit there. It's not fun to grieve. And I felt like I shouldn't feel that way. So, and, and I think like well-meaning Christian women also encouraged me to skip that stage. You know, I think we're getting more self-aware now. And it seems like of like how important embracing your feelings are a little bit more. But I, you know, I definitely was, you know, I think well-meaning women would try to, well, just, you know, at least fill in the blank, you know? So that was a big change in me that I think in the past year that has been a life changer thing for me of just this allowing myself to lament when things are are really rough, tricky, even a bad day, a bad situation. And then put your bootstraps on, let's parent. Not sitting in that. (laughs) Right. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. So, but sometimes you just need, and I needed to go to counseling to lament and be affirmed like no one would like this. Like that was to have a counselor say that to me. I was like, are you serious? Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Gosh, as you say that, so many good things just like come to my mind because I'm sitting here thinking, one, in the ways that I have maybe dismissed people's emotion or felt that or said those things like, well, at least or should, well, like, at le- you know, we should be thankful for Like, I have said those things yeah. probably mm-hmm. in like a good intentioned way to a friend or someone going through that. But then secondly, I just love that you, I don't know, like gave space and time for that and you sat aside and said like, okay, I need to take time to do that. And again, you're still learning that. You're like, you're just now figuring that out. Like, what does that look like? And I just love (laughs) that you've like gone for full circle in that and kind of thought through like, what does that actually really look like? 
And take out the context of parenting. That can be anything. You know, yeah. for me, I have a lot of health stuff. And I just recently realized that I hadn't really said, well, whoa, this has been like really a hard summer. And I had a good cry yesterday. And I was like, oh, I knew I needed to let yeah. those feelings out. And then I, it's so interesting how when you are honest about those feelings that you know are there, but you're just kind of shoving down, how then it brings clarity to where you need to go forward with those emotions. Because it was almost like when I was able, I was admitting some feelings to my husband, crying about it. I literally like took a deep breath and I was like, okay, but it's going to be okay. And I'm excited for like where I can go now from here. And well, it's, it's like the whole, like bringing what is in the dark to light. Like right. there is a, honestly, like a lifting that you feel like a burden that is lifted when you can say like, this is in the dark. If that is sin, if that is like, yeah, shame, right. if that's just like an emotion that you're feeling that you can say like, I think I've been hiding this. And I'm like, maybe it wasn't even meaning to hide it, but here I am just saying it out loud. And it almost like maybe doesn't minimize it totally. I think in some situations it maybe like minimizes it and you're like, okay, that feels better. But then in these situations, like you're talking about, it just is like, okay, that is honest. Like mm-hmm. it feels free. Like I have freedom being honest of what just where I'm at. But then like coming in with God's truth right. on top of that. And I think, you know, I think with the smaller things, like shoving things under the rug will work temporarily. But those parents who are in either a tough season of parenting or have a an intense kiddo, it will come out sideways if you don't deal with it because it's so regular and so relentless that you, it has to be dealt with in that in a healthy way or it will come out sideways. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the emotional aspect of these hard parenting seasons, intense parenting seasons, as you like to say. But what are some practical things? If someone's listening to this right now, I mean, I've, I've had months, I think ours kind of come in like months spurts where I'm like, I am there. I have a very yeah. strong-willed daughter. Yeah. I feel it. I'm like, if one more tantrum, I don't think I can do it anymore. Right. So what are some practical things that right. people can do? Yeah. I mean- this is going to be different for every person. Right. One, because we're all wired differently and some things fill us up that don't others. So I'll speak from my experience of what's been most helpful to me. One, the lament piece. That's been a new thing for me this year. Um, <laughs> and it seems to be working okay. Okay, so another thing, this is, again, a personal thing for me, is venting. Okay, so it's kind of part of the lament, but I learned when things get really intense with my kids, I kind of put my shell on and soldier through. And it has been so helpful to me to find a safe group of friends that I asked permission. I was like, thing, and these are friends I Marco Polo, they live in different states. I'm like, here's the deal. Like, things are really hard. Do you care if I call you and just tell you what happened today? I love that you asked permission. Right. Because again, I felt like I was trying to do that, but I always felt like Debbie Downer. You know, I was like, I don't want to be the one I was calling with a terrible kid story. So then it felt better because then I could spread it out. <laughs> like, you're like, I have a couple. I can spread yeah, the love. I'm like, Bonnie, you're on Monday. Sarah, you're Tuesday. Really, you're there. You know, That's it's like, funny. and so if nothing happened that day, they don't get a call. But if something happened, it was so freeing for me to like vent that, just tell the story because it loses its power. Because what I was doing is I was embodying that stress rather than sharing that that load. So that was a personal thing for me. Maybe other people do that better than me. But venting is almost like a discipline for me. It's like I had to do that. Okay, so then also this a self-awareness of my stress level. I have learned when you have an intense kid or intense situation, you have this barometer of stress, right? And by default, you are set closer to the red zone. That's just where you're going to be, right? Versus maybe easy kids, you're a little bit further back. But I am more close to that red zone. So I have to be so careful about adding stress to my plate because I quickly tip into that red. So that for me is like, again, this is my experience. When I sense I'm getting stressed, I have to exercise. It has to be a discipline for me because I I just like it helps me get that out. Or I have to do the venting or I have to say no to things 
clean the schedule, whatever it is that you know you know adds. I'd had to be so careful about adding little extra stressors because it's I'm so easily in that danger zone of like way too much stress. So that that self awareness factor, and I'm sure you guys probably talked about self care and stuff on here. I need to hear that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's good. It's Chill. good because I also think for certain personalities. I personally, when someone needs to cancel something for a reason like that, like, okay, I had a hard night in my marriage and I'm not emotionally in a place where I can go have coffee or my kids are this or that. But there are certain people that I think judge that of like, what are you talking? Why would you cancel a plane? You just power through things. You just do it. And it's like, that is not beneficial and healthy for the friendship relationship or for that person that's coming into that situation feeling so intense. So I want to get better even for myself at like when someone cancels a plan, I don't even need to know all the details or ask questions, but I'm going to trust that like that's for good reason. And we should feel more comfortable doing that. Like sometimes I'll get so just set in stone with my plans for my week and the way things are going to go that even if my kids are not in a good place for a play date. I'm like, well, we're going to go anyways. Right. And maybe sometimes that's the case, but there's right. sometimes where it can be like, no, why right. would I put us all right. through that? Let's just be better about saying, let's take more right. off. I think, I mean, you have to still do life. Right. When you're stressed. Because listen, you're going to live in stress. If you have an intense kid, you're living in stress zone. Right? And so you can't shut down life. You still have to function, but it's that just awareness of if there's something optional and there's something that is going to add more stress, I've got to like, I've got to be disciplined on taking care of this. So that one, I think finding other moms who really get it. And again, I have many, many empathetic, a very, very supportive family, very supportive friends, but finding some moms who are walking the same path as us, like who have carried their kids surfboard style out of the library, you know, like get the image, you got it, right? Like who have, who, who daily struggle with fill in the blank, like find those moms that really get it that, I mean, even at this point, we're like, okay, what did you do when you tried this med? And what did you like to be on that ADHD med journey? It's like having someone that gets it has been so, so life-giving to me. And then get off social media when you're in those bad places because it's not helpful to see happy families when your family is a train wreck. Like it's like, it's really just not helpful to like see people on having a great vacation when you were like, we barely made it through the morning, you know? So I'm thankful, like I have an online business, but we've hired out social media at this point. So I have the option of like, okay, I just, it's not good for me sometimes. Yeah. So that's hard. I mean, but sometimes I'm like, it's not helpful. Like Mm -hmm. nothing on here is helpful for me to see. So mm-hmm. that, those are practical. Again, that, that applies to everything. Yeah, that yes. does. Yeah. yeah. I love that you've just done the hard work to say like, what does actually really work for me? And you can like list those things out. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think sometimes we ask for practical things and it's like, oh, this is kind of an idea. But I'm like, no, you are like actually practicing and those are like disciplines for you. And you're like, these things set my family up for success, mm-hmm. put my headspace in a good place. Like, I just love that you've really done the work to go through all of that. That's awesome. I don't know if you do this, but I also think when you're going through things like that, you know, we kind of can over-spiritualize things sometimes in my opinion of like, well, you know, it'd be wrong for me if I'm feeling so overstressed to like watch a Netflix show to relax or go maybe get a coffee with a friend and like ride around town and go to Marshall's or something. But I think for me personally, sometimes those things after you've already kind of lamented and submitted things to God, it's like sometimes those things can be just what you need to, to like, I don't want to say disassociate in a bad way, but just to step out of it and say like, okay, I can like have a mental break from that. So I don't know if you have things like that too, but I know for me, I'm like, okay, maybe getting in my car and just listening to some music and running errands. It can be called like numbing out, which to, you know, there is an unhealthy way to do that. But I also think that those things let your body come out of fight or flight mode. So where you can think a little clearer. So I think there's a healthy numbing out when you're living in that stress zone because your body needs time to come out of fight or flight. 
to relief. So I think there's okay to an extent, but mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, talk specifically a little bit about what you and your husband have learned in this. Like what is God teaching you currently? Oh and yeah. yeah, I mean, just like, obviously you've learned a ton, right. but want to take it back to like, what is he teaching you? Okay. So I'd say right now, I mean, there's so much. I, this could be a whole podcast in itself as I'm like, I saw this question. I was like, oh my gosh, how do I even sum that up? I'll try to go fast. Okay. So <laughs> I'll say right now, I am relearning. And this is the thing, moms, we have to relearn things over and over again. I have learned this so many times, but and it sounds so cliche, but this daily dependence on him. Okay. So I say, like I said, the past two months have been really hard. And I found myself in this scramble, fight or flight. I'm, my mind is constantly on thinking, how do we navigate this? We got to get this appointment. It's just busy, busy, busy trying to fix, fix, fix. I'm scrambling, scrambling. And I had totally lost track of like stepping back and surrendering this, this child in this situation to God on an hourly basis. Okay, so here's a really practical example is like I picked a kid up from school the other day and we had to go to soccer practice. And he starts flipping out because he didn't want to go to soccer practice, which he loves soccer. It's like, what the heck, dude? So he's flipping out, doesn't want to go to soccer practice. In my mind, I start thinking, okay, what bribery can I do? What thing can I say? What trick can I do? But then I was like, okay, Polly, like step back. And seriously, in my mind and heart, I was like, Lord, this child is yours. Holy Spirit, will you enter into this? Will you bring a spirit of peace into me, into him, and give me wisdom how to navigate the situation? All right, here, let's go. You know, I mean, it was just a moment to step back and like invite the Holy Spirit into that parenting moment. And I don't even know if it would have turned out differently if I hadn't, but it's like bringing Jesus into that. I mean, he was already there, but like accepting his presence and allowing him to work through me and through him was like big. So that is, I realized a week ago, I was like, oh my gosh, I have been totally self-sufficient. And I've, I've learned this lesson, girls, like so many times, but I had totally straight away again. So I'm back into this like, I have to be dependent like hourly on Jesus right now because things are really, really intense in our home right now. I think the second big thing too that God has done through this is that he has removed so much pride and judgmentalness in my heart. Like there is nothing at this point that a parent could tell me that their kid did or said to them that would shock me. And I I could not say that about myself 10 years ago. I was a much better mom as a babysitter than I was as a mom, you know, because and I think that is so valuable, especially my husband being a counselor and then me just being kind of in ministry and been in a church. It's like we just have a ministry in that by simply being a family that like gets it, has walked through this and will totally understand whatever you're going through with your family. Like I just think that God has just stripped away all pride in that. So that's a huge thing that I think he's using in our lives that I've already seen him at work. I've had so many women on my couch crying because they're in the early stages of something's wrong with my kid, you know, and I'm able to like be there with them and, and sit in that moment and know what that feels like. So I think those are the two big things. I, there's a lot there I could talk about. No, that's good. <laughs> I even think about you too. And I'm like, I know my husband has shared some things with your husband about parenting and it is a relief to know like, oh, there are people that I would tell some things to and I think they would look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. And then I, I think about you guys and I'm like, oh, they would understand. <laughs> like they, they would probably say like, that's okay yeah. or that's normal or like that We've happens to some kids. Yeah. yeah, And that is just such a relief to know that. Because yeah, like we said earlier, not every parent will experience a kid with, you know, sometimes I'll ask a friend like, 
or maybe a mom a little bit older, oh, did you have a kid that threw tantrums? And they'll kind of be like, not really. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> just well, I'm not going to tell you about that one that we just had five minutes ago, then, sure. you know? Yeah. So it is nice to have that. But oh, you've shared so much good stuff. I know. I remember early on in marriage, I was like, gosh, marriage is so humbling. Like you really like see the worst of yourself. And then I became a parent. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, parenting actually makes you see the worst. So I just love that you were able to say like, I have been stripped of so much pride because I just think, again, that's how God is refining you in Austin to be better stewards of like what he's giving you. Like he has given you these children knowing like you guys are the best ones for them. And you obviously are seeing firsthand then people able to come into your home, able to see you guys as, as an example yeah. to then say, hey, like me too. Can we talk about this? Yeah. I'm like really needing some help and support. Yeah. So if you could just wrap it up for us there, like if we know friends, sisters, you know, whatever, close people Mm -hmm. in our community, maybe going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. What are things that we can say or do to really support and love on these people well? I love that question because I think a lot of people don't quite know how to help when they see, you know, parents of intense kids. They're not sure what to do. Okay, so I think if and when the context is right, asking them what's most helpful to you right now. Do you just need to be a safe place for me me to vent or do you want to problem solve? Because I think there are times when I need a safe place to vent And there's also times I need some practical hands-on help. But if someone comes in with the wrong side of that, when I'm not, when I just need a space to vent and someone comes in, here's a great book. I'm like, that is not what I need right now. You know? So I think like, and that's, that's tricky because those conversations can be kind of delicate, but you're, you're going to walk with a friend and they're like, oh my God, things are so hard right now. I think being like, is it, you know, I don't know, just, it depends on your relationship with them, but asking what's most helpful right now. Is it venting or do you want me to help? provide some ideas. That being said, I would strongly say, this is specifically speaking to parents of intense kids, don't provide advice to them unless they ask. Because when I've had well-meaning parents and adults offer me advice on my son who has ADHD, I'm like, you don't get it. No, that's not going to (laughs) work. You know, and then it's like, it's more isolating as a parent, as someone who's struggling. It's like, it's more isolating to have someone try to offer advice that worked for them that I know I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So don't offer advice unless asked. I that would, should just be tattooed on everyone's true. forehead, yeah. like for yeah. everything in general. One thing that I think you can practically do is find ways to celebrate that child that they're struggling with. Like it makes me – I'm going to cry thinking about this. When people just tell me the simplest things of like, hey, so-and-so did so good in church today. He like was participating and he did the craft. And I'm like – because we're so oftentimes hearing hard stuff that like they're struggling or they're misbehaving. To have people who like see the best in my child is like so life-giving and so encouraging. So as much as you can like – if you know a parent has – like a friend of yours has a pretty hard kiddo, finding – like see the good in them and point it out to those that friend because they need that. They need that encouragement and they need to know that other people – see good things in them. And like God has been so faithful to provide people like that in our lives. We've had so many like babysitters that just have grown to love our kids or who they are. And I can't even tell you how much those kids, those people mean to me. And they all, I mean, I won't, I can name them off, you know, even though we haven't seen them in five years. It's like, I know the people that truly loved my kids. So finding ways to celebrate those kids that are hard is so important to the people around you. So that's going to be for any kid, but especially kids that, that, you know, struggle or that are hard for their parents. So 
I love that. Celebrate them. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so good. Yeah. I just love, I mean, I'm getting emotional watching you and just hearing that because I just think, yeah, we're quick. Like we were talking earlier, we're quick to just see negative, especially, I mean, you and I, Polly, like we're similar in personalities. We've talked about this before. We're quick to be critical. We're quick to judge. We're quick to just see what could be better yeah. instead of really celebrating like, again, this is who God made them to be. Yeah. And I just love that you were saying like, no, see that and point it out. Because yeah. I think if any, like if it's an intense child or it's yeah. just any situation, we can be way more quick to offer encouragement, offer like a compliment. I think we're just so slow to do that. And I love that you point that out. Uh, one funny thing to never say, almost to never mom or any mom is, please don't say you'll miss this one day. Okay. That was the most unhelpful thing when I was like, we're really in the trenches to have a well-meaning grandparent. My, my grandparents never said that, but like, you know, just someone older be like, oh, but you're going to miss it someday. I'm like, I am in hell right now. Like, like do I don't think I will. I hell. Like, yeah, yeah. So just that's one really practical thing. But oh, I do want to leave. I just want to end on a word of encouragement, if that's okay. Just yeah. a verse that has been so helpful to me that I just want to speak over to struggling moms out there. It's Isaiah forty one ten, and it's just. I just want to say this to struggling moms: Do not fear. This is what God says to you. He says, "I am with you. Do not be dismayed." For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So just trust that God is doing deep, deep work in you. And you are his child too. And he cares about you just as much as he cares about your child. And just trust that he's got you and he's with you. Amen. Thank you so much, Polly, for coming on. And we so appreciate you just sharing your story. And thank you again just for all of it. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon.